You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Chris Lee. This podcast is supported by the Yan Michalski Foundation. Just tell us a little bit about your background going into those, that collection and also your, what you know, made you into the writer you are today. It's an, been an interesting life. Yes, I'm, it's like so many people these days. I think I grew up uh, moving every few years. I had a very restless father and we started in Korea and then we moved to America on the West Coast, but we moved every three years, sometimes in, in the middle of the school year. And I, I just didn't have any roots um, in a, a place I, I, I thought of as home. Uh, and certainly everyone changed every three years, your friends, your communities, your relationships, your schools. And then I crossed England, you know, for my third year of college. And then I stayed there and then went back to Korea. And then from there, you know, I, I've been based in Korea for a long time. But even while I was in Korea, you know, I did go to Rome for a year on the Rome Prize. I just came back from my um, a year in Peru. Um, and South America, working on a novel, doing re- novel research there. And so there's always this sense of um, home is somewhere in between, or our be- belonging is a place of somewhere in between. And I spent so much time, I think, longing to be, uh, to fit in in America or be American, and then longing to fit in Korea and be Korean. And I realized I can't, you can't actually, anyone who's lived between cultures, I think comes to a place of realizing your place or your home is this uncomfortable but interesting place in between these places. <laughs> and there's large communities of those, of those people who uh, call home this in-between space. The, the North Korean community, the closer you, you know, I became to them, the more I realized how incredibly complex and diverse and strong they were. You know, to actually have risked and survived what they did requires incredible tenacity and imagination as well and fearlessness. And so part of the book was to honor those people. And another thing really is it's embedded in the title is the question of identity. Because we, you know, unless one leaves North Korea, you know, you don't really sit around. The ideas of North Korean identity are things that are shaped so much by outside perceptions of what is North Korean. And it becomes, they become aware of it as they leave the country. It's not something they thought, they didn't think of themselves in this way when they lived in their own country. And I think that also happens to Americans who go overseas and they start to get a different sense of what it means to be American by being outside of America, the way that James Joyce and Samuel Beckett started to think about Irishness by having left Ireland. And um, that I find really fascinating. And I do see that, I did see that happening to North Koreans. And so my title, How I Became North Korean, it's it's about North Koreans, the book, and the that conflict and the tension between North Koreans and missionaries, like faith and aid, like helping and faith and power as well as uh, how identity is formed by our journeys when we leave versus when we stay in a country.
than many other women I met, uh, North Korean women, both at the border and in South Korea, North Koreans, also shared similar, uh, a similar strength and a ferocity and a kind of a sense that I knew it wasn't about what is right or wrong. It was more about what will I do to keep going. That was more important than anything else. And that's very easy to judge, but that wasn't, you know, the, it was something to admire in, uh, for me. The sense of survivorship and the sense of strength um, and cunning sometimes in order to, to make it. It, it was a, a complexity that was what I ended up exploring in the novel. But I think in each novel, that's really the challenge is to find how, no matter how different the character is from your world, in the end, what is it that as you write and you explore them, you find the thing that connects you to them. And for me, in Changmi's sense, it was that sense of how does one survive? What will one do to survive? Um, how does she make it? She's, you know, that fearlessness and the sense of looking towards the future. So little of the victim in her. When we think of a North Korean, many people think of North Korean defectors as kinds of victims. But actually, for me, that kind of woman that I've met so many times is they're really complex and sometimes funny and charismatic and strong. And I wanted to write that character. There's a sense of anything is actually possible in fiction. And it's just that the more, the riskier, the harder moves that you make as a writer just means that you have to work harder as a writer to communicate that to your reader and to really make them feel. Because in the end, it's really about both making, well, what is it? Making a person feel and think or feel or think differently about something. Yes, I'm um, certainly, you know, I've, I've translated two novels now into English and I translated short stories and poems as well. It's, it's something I love, like being intimate with that language. And it's, it's also something I hate because it's so difficult. <laughs> it, every translation is an approximation, especially in poetry, but everything, the fiction as well, too because of that. I tried to stay very faithful to the writer's work. I mean, I was at the Brooklyn Book Festival with the, um, with Kim Yong-ha, the writer who I translated, and we were on a panel together, and I, 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 and I said, and he was a little surprised that I said this, but I really believe, like, a trans, when I translate, I, I feel like I'm a servant to another text. It's not about me, and it's really about my love for literature and my love for another writer's voice and their words and their style. And so the more I can erase of myself, the better it is for the book. So, you know, I, tr I really try to keep more in mind the voice of the narrator and the, as well as the sentence for sentence, because it's very easy to lose the actual voice, the tone of the work, if you aren't if, if you're translating too loosely, or if you're translating so strictly that you end up with very strange sentences. <laughs> I 
Absolutely. Translation makes you interrogate every single word, every sentence, you know, is this the right verb? You know, is this the right adjective? What would this adjective be? It really makes you see language again. And so when, when Jhumpa Lahiri started to, you know, when she kind of gave up English for um, Italian, I mean, I met her at the American Academy at a cocktail party and her Italian is incredible, but you could see the love for language that had revived her. And, and so the love for language is, and that is what translation gives back to you. That kind of primitive love that we had as a child when you just devoured books. Um, there's something very elemental about translation because if you're really thinking about the sound of words and the music of words again. I really, I, I love that. And, and, and Korean is, that's why I miss translation. It takes away time from my own fiction writing. And I say, I'm never going to translate again. And then someone dangles a project in front of me. I'm like, oh, it's such an amazing book. I want to translate it. And I was tempted again because it's, again, having this intense relationship with words. I mean, I read Korean writers, but I read, I, you know, I, I, I read Iranian writers. I, I read an incredible German novel by uh, a writer from the Tatar culture recently. I, I'm trying very hard to read from so many different cultures because I think every culture, every country has incredible voices and books, and we read such a fraction. So I love Korean literature, but I am not restricting myself to Korean literature at all. And I, it's kind of, and Korean writers are the same. They, they're really hungry for the voices of the world. They read so much out of their cultures. They read a huge amount of like Western European literature. And I wish we had more of other Asian literatures that I think are less translated, like Vietnamese literature, for example, or Laotian literature. I'm interested in what they're writing too, because there's brilliance everywhere. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.